Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. If you and your team want to cut down on busy work and get more choice and control over accounts payable, you need Bill. Bill Accounts Payable is your secret weapon for saving time on AP. And with a special offer at bill.com slash podcast, you'll save money too. With Bill, streamline your entire AP process, including bill creation, approvals, and payments. You can pay with ACH, credit card, check, and international wire transfer. Plus, you can easily integrate with most accounting software. No wonder hundreds of thousands of businesses are already using Bill to manage their AP. Schedule a free demo now to see how Bill can automate your financial operations. And right now, get 15% off when you subscribe to Bill Accounts Payable. There's never been a better time to sign up. This special offer is available for a limited time only at bill.com slash podcast. Terms apply. See bill.com slash podcast for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, March 9th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. I'm back. I'm back from Florida. Last week, I was at Walt Disney World, and it was crazy there. Uh, it, it, it's Weird because you'd think the coronavirus would stop people from going on vacation. Maybe they spent so much on these Disney vacations that they weren't willing to, you know, say no and stay stay home. But there was just as it was packed. There was just as many people as as you could imagine being at Walt Disney World uh, last week. Uh, you know, there was new rides, new festivals opening, which I'll, I'll talk later at some point about. But uh, I I'm now home. I did. Uh, I'm not showing any symptoms, so that that that's probably good. Um, not to uh, you know, make light of these, these situations. It's a very serious thing going on. But uh, I am home, and I'm happy to be home. They they have closed Disney parks worldwide. I think three parks worldwide are completely shut down uh, because of you know fears of this virus uh, spreading. Uh, you know, th- th- tons of things are shutting down. Last week, South by Southwest, the film festival, the tech festival, it's a huge thing in Austin, Texas. They, they canceled the festival. Brad, tell us about that. 
Yeah, it's a it's a huge thing. South by Southwest, uh, we go to it for film, but it's also has plenty of stand up concerts, uh, regular music concerts, tech presentations, uh, panels with various celebrities, politicians, uh, just a bunch of stuff all around, and it's huge for the city of Austin. And they had been keeping an eye on the coronavirus stuff leading up to the event, which was supposed to start on March 13th this week. Um, and South by Southwest was ready to push forward and still give it a go. But it was the city of Austin uh, and their mayor that actually handed down the decision that South by Southwest needed to be canceled. Uh, it's all because of the coronavirus concerns, uh, even though they were keeping an eye on the situation and there, there aren't a lot of cases in Texas in general the, the fact that this was going to bring in thousands of people from around the world and have them in this one place, it just felt like too much of a risk with as bad as things are getting uh, elsewhere around the world due to gatherings and the, the fast spreading of this uh, new flu strain, uh, COVID-19. Yeah, y you were going to be there. I was. This was supposed to be my first time going to South by Southwest. So. Uh, I was pretty bummed about it, but I, I was also a little bit relieved because leading up to it, I was also a little concerned because I was like, well, what's this going to be like? You know, is, is, are people going to get sick and is it going to be a problem? So it, it sucks, but it was also kind of a relief. Yeah, this this whole thing is like very scary. But like, I also wonder, you know, how susceptible are we here in America? I mean, obviously, people are concerned, uh, you know, canceling South by. I, I wonder how far this is going to go. Like, I know CinemaCon is at the end of this month. Uh, we, we're supposed to cover it. I'm not sure if we're going to. Uh, they keep on saying, you know, that it is on. And, you know, this basically that's gathering of almost every single movie theater manager from around the U.S. and some from around the world gather in Las Vegas. And that just sounds like if you're going to have a virus that's going to – you know, virally expand. Like, it seems like, it, you know, usually you're like, oh, stay away from major cities, stay away from whatever. But like that one, like meeting, if the, the virus were to spread amongst those group, that would go to like every single town and city in the U.S. that has a movie theater. That would be insane. Uh, and that's not canceled yet. Do, do you think, Brett, do you think Comic-Con's going to get canceled? Uh, I don't know. I, th I think it's still a little too far out, but at the same time, like things are only going to get worse before they get better. Like this is going to continue to spread because they don't have a vaccine for you, and it's going to take a while. I believe um, they said it would probably take a year to a year and a half to get a vaccine to be able to deal with this strain. So the only way to combat it right now is to not get it, and you know, stay away from people who are sick and quarantine those uh, who have already gotten it. So it's, it's tough to say. It just depends on how many cases there really are in the U.S. That can be difficult to know because some people may not go get tested. Some people may not realize, you know, they have it. Hopefully they're smart enough to go get checked out. But we're also dealing with a situation where the number of tests available in the United States probably isn't enough to meet the eventual number of cases there could be. So we could be dealing with a, a problem that lasts for, you know, a good, good long while this year. Yeah, it, it's definitely a very serious issue, and I don't want to be flippant on it. I know I, I opened saying, you know, I was in Walt Disney World and didn't catch it. Um, but uh, and, and on top of that, this is, like, going to be a thing that's going to hurt you know, like you look at the stock market today, it, it's tumbling down. Uh, South by, you know, is, is a big thing in Austin, Texas. That's going to dramatically hurt that city's economy. It, it, actually, actually yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So South by, because they canceled it, 
they're going to lose millions probably because their insurance doesn't cover disease-related cancellations. Uh, and the festival's chief executive, Roland uh, Swenson, recently talked to Wall Street Journal, and he said that uh, he's not entirely sure if they're going to uh, be able to pull off coming back in 2021. Um, you know, it, it, it really comes down to how much they figure out that they have to pay, how much money they're going to lose, and whether or not they'll be afford to keep the right number of employees down to be able to plan it. Um, along with that, they're also trying to figure out if maybe they can recoup some of that by rescheduling the festival sometime later this year. But like we just said, you know, it's not clear if a if that's possible specifically for South by Southwest, or b if it's even going to be a good idea to do it, you know, in a few months in the summer or in the fall or anything like that. Yeah, like what's going to happen to the Olympics? That's only a few months away, and that's more towards like Ground Zero. Like, is that is is there any chance that's going to be canceled? I haven't been keeping up with Olympics uh, stuff because you know I'm not really the the resident sports guy. Um, but but you know so it's that's also possible that could create problems too. It's it's crazy crazy what's going on up there. Uh, I uh, feel bad for anybody affected with this. I feel bad for you know all the artists and filmmakers and musicians that were set to head to South by I, like I know some people that are artists that like make their you know a, lot, a significant amount of their what they make each year by going to the stuff by and selling their wares and stuff like that. And it, it, it's a, a, a big blow to a lot of people. And I hope that there's someone out there that like, you know, it'd be cool if like someone like Netflix or Amazon was able to, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's like chump change to them. Some of these small indies that we're going to premiere itself by maybe find a way to like secure the rights to like the movie for two months and give it a online film festival premiere that everybody can access from their homes. Like, I feel like that would be a cool thing to do, but uh, we, we don't for, know for it. what it's worth too. We'll, um, there, we, we might have some coverage of films that we're playing at South by here in the near future. Um, some of us that are, are going had already been in contact with publicists uh, before the festival to figure out, you know, screening schedules and get tickets and whatnot. So we can do reviews and interviews uh, and some of them, it seems like, are still wanting to do remote coverage where they're going to send out screener links to critics. And so there's a good chance we might still have some movies that would have played South by Southwest where we'll have reviews and hopefully be able to signal boost for them so that it can it's not as bad of a situation. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's talk about the box office. This weekend, were people avoiding going to the theater and you know being in large crowds? Or was Onward just a badly marketed movie? Ben, tell us about it. I think it's a little bit more of the latter. So Onward, uh, the new Pixar film, made $40 million domestically this past weekend, which is, um, you know, better than a lot of the other stuff that was out in theaters like The Way Back and Sonic the Hedgehog and The Invisible Man, but uh, still sort of um, underneath the uh, projections for what that movie was supposed to make. Um, And I mean, it's in a tough spot because uh, Finding Dory, Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4 all within the last four years have made more than a billion dollars worldwide. So, um, you know, Pixar has obviously like this huge reputation for quality and uh, for, you know, being box office champions and all that kind of stuff. But um, this one seems like the biggest whiff for them since the good dinosaur back in 2015. So, um, you know, in, in terms of like how much the coronavirus actually impacted people's decisions to stay home, 
there were some experts that uh, talked to Variety and basically said that it was the movies themselves, not necessarily fears of the virus that that hurt the uh, overall ticket sales. Um, I've seen some speculation like, you know, uh, along those same lines from uh, Scott Mendelson over at Forbes, who's like a, a big box office um, guru. And yeah, basically, they're just sort of pointing to like, you know, questionable marketing and the fact that the movie does not necessarily look like a big four quadrant uh, type of movie. It, it looks like it more it has more of a kid's appeal, um, whereas a lot of the the bigger sort of more classic Pixar efforts um, tend to be able to sort of, uh, I don't know, like reach across the aisles and, and impact more um, uh, demographics than just a younger crowd, which this one seems to be sort of uh, uh, targeting at this point. And I've said so. I've seen some people online defending this, being like, "Oh, but this is an original film. You know, Pixar's been doing a lot of sequels." But Pixar also had Inside Out and Coco, which were original films that were, you know, huge hits. Uh, right. It it's very interesting to me because I I feel like if you had asked us a few years ago before the Good Dinosaur, could there be a Pixar film that? was considered a disappointment at the box office. It would be like an unheard of thing. It would be like us now thinking about that prospect for like a Marvel movie. Like, can you even imagine a Marvel movie that's considered a box office disappointment? I mean, I can just because I know that it's going to happen at some point eventually. <laughs> like, it's inevitable, right? It has to happen. Not every single one of their movies is going to make the money that they think it, it's going to make. And, the, and the, that, yeah. you know, it's not going to follow the trajectory that's been set uh, so far. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I take your point. It's certainly like Pixar's track record, at least up until 2015, was pretty sterling. And even now, I mean, is, is really, really great compared to a lot of the other studios that are, that are releasing stuff yeah. on a regular basis. So, um, this isn't necessarily like the end of the world for Pixar and they do have an, another original movie coming out this year. So I'm going to be curious to see sort of how that one opens in comparison. Um, that film is soul by the way, but, uh, you know, th this is also like just the opening weekend and they've had, you know, low opening, low-ish opening weekends before. But Pixar movies, they're big family, you know, family friendly movies. And those movies tend to do very, very well. So even The Good Dinosaur ended up making, I think, something like over $300 million worldwide. So, um, you know, just because of this had uh, an yeah. opening that was around $40 million doesn't mean that it's like the death of Onward. Oh, yeah. um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's still... It's definitely worth noting because of Pixar's track record so far. I'm going to put my conspiracy theory hat on here for just a brief second. Do you think – well, it's very strange that Bob Iger stepped down as CEO before this movie comes out, before we're going to get Mulan, which is you know the live-action Disney animated uh, adaptations have done – considerably well and that's tracking kind of low and i don't know it just seems like this is not a good year for disney do, do you think at all that is related Ben? that is a very very interesting question um well i mean if you look at uh the two big things you've got avengers endgame and star wars the rise of skywalker these sort of like end of an era uh blockbusters it would maybe make sense for Bob Iger to sort of like ride out, you know, into the sunset with those movies on his back and, and the, all of the, um, the accomplishments that, that go along with them instead of, uh, holding out to see, you know, what the, what the next batch of all these creative properties is going to bring for all these different branches of the studio. So, I, I mean, I, 
was that a decision in his, a factor in his decision? I don't know. Maybe, probably. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like the the lineup of films this year from Disney and Fox, like just do not match what was the previous years. Like last year, did they had like six billion dollar hits, and this year, uh, I know Scott Mendelson and some other box office analysts have said that they they don't know. There's no sure one million dollar, uh, one billion dollar hit at Disney this year. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Anyways, okay, let's move on. Uh, the Invisible Man came out and is great, and you should go see it. Uh, but I think that's getting people excited again for, you know, the rebirth of the Dark Universe or their Universal Monsters or whatever. Uh, a new Universal Monster movie is being developed by James Wan. Chris, tell us about it. Yes, uh, this is something James Wan is producing, not directing. Um, and while it's not a direct at least as far as we know, not a direct like reboot or remake of something classic. It definitely has uh, Frankenstein-like overtones. Um, the plot they're saying right now is it's about a group of teens who discover that a neighbor is building a monster in his basement. So kind of sounds like they're going for like a maybe Stranger Things angle, but also blending that with a Frankenstein-type story. So... Uh, that's really all we know about it right now. It doesn't even have a title. Um, Robbie Thompson, who wrote for Supernatural, is writing the script. And we just know it's going to be under Universal's banner. And they're clearly feeling a lot more confident about greenlighting monster movies now that The Invisible Man was both a hit with critics and audiences, unlike uh, The Mummy, which no one liked. It's it's funny how it took them a couple of years since The Shape of Water to kind of like realize, oh, maybe we should be taking the low budget approach to this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, I feel like the where they really went wrong with the mummy is they tried to make it like a big they basically were trying to do what Marvel did. And they were trying to make big action movies. And that's not why people like the Universal Monsters like this movie. You know, those original movies are not are nothing are not even close to being action movies. People want you know, these things to be scary. And that's, I think they're finally catching on to that. I don't know why it's amazing that it took them this long to figure it out, but I'm glad they did. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to see how this is doing. Uh, is anybody on this podcast, someone who has seen supernatural? I watched the first four seasons and then I kind of stopped and then it went on for another 5,000 seasons. So <laughs> this is shocking to me. I, I wouldn't peg you as a supernatural fan. Well, you know, it, it was a horror series and I was curious and I, I feel like those early seasons were actually kind of fun. But after a while, I was like, I don't know how this can keep going much longer. And it did, but I didn't <laughs> I didn't stick with it. So how many seasons did it have ended? I think it and I think it ended with like 15 seasons or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's like an outrageous amount. of No, no show, even like a great show should go that long. It's just insane. <laughs> It's one of the, like the longest running series, and it's one of those shows that like has a bunch like a lot of episodes per season too, right? It's like yeah, it's like I think it's like twenty four episodes a season, something insane like that. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Talking about TV and seasons, The Mandalorian season two just came to a close. They just wrapped production, which is insane because it feels like we, we have not heard anything about this second season. We have not gotten any casting. We've heard about a couple directors, but not you know, we, we have not even heard who's directing, who's starring, who's anything. But we do know one director who is returning. Brad, tell us about it. Yes, indeed. Uh, as you said, The Mandalorian Season 2 just wrapped production. 
we know this because not only did Gina Carano post that uh, production had wrapped, but the cinematographer for at least one of the episodes, uh, Baz uh, Idoini or Idoine, uh, posted a picture of the clapboard from shooting over the weekend, uh, saying that it was a wrap on the show. And it just so happens that the name of the director on the clapboard was none other than Dave Filoni. Uh, he's the executive producer of Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. He's been big on the animated side of Star Wars, but now he's the executive, one of the executive producers on The Mandalorian. And he directed not only the series premiere, but also, I believe, episode five in the middle of uh, the first season. So he, he'll be back for uh, the second season. It's not clear if it's just one episode or if he's directing two like he did with the first season. And um, it was also noted online, too, by uh, one of Lucasfilm's uh, creative execs that just because Dave Filoni was shooting towards the end of the production schedule for The Mandalorian Season 2 does not mean that he's necessarily directing the second season finale. So there's a chance that, um, and more than likely, that things were shot out of order and this just so happens to be the last thing that they shot and it may not be from the final episode of what will be Season 2. Hmm, interesting. It, it, I, th- I just find it so crazy that we don't know who's directing these episodes. We don't know, you know. Well, new we do ca- know. Well, we, we know John Favreau is going to direct an episode, yeah. and we know that Car- Carl Weathers is directing an episode. But otherwise, we don't know any of the other directors. But what's that? The, that leaves five other episodes, right? But, ten, but yeah, but but not necessarily five directors because three of the directors from the first season directed two episodes each. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. And we didn't even f- find out who was playing the Mandalorian until I think like halfway through production of the first season. It's like, how are they keeping this secret, Brad? I mean, they're pretty good at it by now, and plus it helps that they don't really have to go shoot on location anymore because of that stagecraft technology, so it's a lot easier to keep secrets when you're just shooting inside of a soundstage. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. It's just it's just crazy that, uh, you know, more and more of this stuff is happening. Like, I, I know we knew about the Breaking Bad movie. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Grand Torino? Or no, uh, El Camino. Oh, El Camino. Sorry, uh, but like, oh my God, I wish Gran Torino was a Breaking Bad movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like that kind of came out of nowhere for most people, and I, I feel like more of the stuff is happening. I'm just wondering, like, is this going to be a thing that we're going to see more of in the future, where like we we kind of get surprised by what is being produced for film and TV? Like, it, it doesn't really seem like is it in the benefit for you know, studios to announce, like, you know, who's starring and directing. I, I guess all of it has to leak at some point, but how is it not leaking for this? Like, I, I know what you're saying, Brad. This is all taking place in one soundstage using the stagecraft technology, but people talk. Agents talk, you know, uh, agents talk to, you know, people like us who write for sites, and then we report it is, things. It, it also, it's also a very contained cast, too, though. I mean, it's not like there's a, this big, sweeping ensemble that's part of the show. You know, it's it's a pretty small group. And so, yeah. you know, if they were able to keep secrets the first time around, it makes sense that they're able to do it again. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's talk to let's talk about Ava DuVernay. She is going to adapt Wings, on fi- of, Wings of Fire into an animated series. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, author Tui T. Sutherland has a New York Times and USA Today best-selling book series called Wings of Fire, which uh, I think spans 
let's see, 15 novels, three graphic novels, and four short stories right now. Uh, the plot is, uh, it's an epic adventure set in a world entirely ruled by dragons. Across two continents and ten tribes, the series explores vicious wars, enduring friendships, and heroic quests that span generations of fascinating dragon characters. So yes, Ava DuVernay is going to be uh, executive producing a TV series um, of Wings of Fire for Warner Brothers Animation. So um, she has like a, a first look deal with uh, Warner Brothers right now. And it, the only thing that's unclear to me is exactly how hands-on she's going to be with this show because this is her first, um, I guess, uh, animation effort at all. Uh, but she's very, very busy. Um, she has uh, this comic book series called DMZ for HBO Max that she's directing right now. She's also developing a New Gods movie based on the DC uh, Comics title um, created by Jack Kirby. And she has shows like Queen Sugar and Cherish the Day on on TV already. Um, and she has like some other stuff in the works too. So um, this is like, it's just one of those things. Like, could this be her attaching her name to a project? Executive producer can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different contexts. And it seems to be sort of up to the individual person how hands-on they want to be. Um, like, I think the, the best example that our readers will, and listeners will probably know is like Steven Spielberg slapped his name on a lot of things in like the 2000s as an executive producer. And you, you couldn't really feel Spielberg's influence on any of those things. So, um, you know, it, it just remains to be seen if this is going to be something that sort of uh, has her guiding hand behind it or if it's just um, sort of a, a checkbox kind of project for her. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, lastly, Quib Quibby, which we've been talking about at length for the last year on this podcast. Chris, I know you've given this new streaming service a lot of crap. You've been making fun of it. Uh, they're going to be offering a 90-day free trial. Uh, tell us about that, and I want to know if this makes you at all – like, are you going to try the free trial? Chris. Listen, I have not been giving Quibby a lot of crap, sir. I take offense <laughs> to that. I <laughs> but um, uh, you've, been, you've been mocking Quib Quibi uh, quite a bit. It's more so the name than the than the idea. Although I'm not uh, keen on watching stuff on my phone, which is really what Quibi wants you to do. They just want you to you know watch everything on the phone. But um, they're launching very soon, April sixth, and uh, with the hopes of drawing people in. They're offering uh, everyone a 90-day free trial. And unlike Apple TV+, Plus, which launched with, like, two shows ready, Quibi has 50 shows ready to go. And <laughs> uh, we listed them all. I broke them all down on, on SlashFilm.com. It's a, it's a lot of stuff. And some of them are, are pretty, you know, normal. You know, they don't sound that crazy. And then some of them are insane. Like, there's a show called Dishmantled where they literally shoot chefs in the face <laughs> – with food cannons and then the chefs have to guess what food they were shot in the face with and then recreate it like that's a show on quibi and honestly i kind of want to watch stuff like that like i i almost wish this was all quibi had it was just constantly crazy over the top stuff that no one else wanted to run because then I, i'd be signing up for it immediately like they have another show called uh murder house flip which is literally what it sounds like where people buy houses where where murders and crimes took place and then try to flip them like i want i want that give me an entire uh streaming service of that and i will i will gladly sign up for it i have an idea for a new quibi show chris 
Can, okay. I pitch, can I pitch you? You're the Quibi executive, okay? Sure, and then I will email Quibi, and I'm sure they'll greenlight it okay, immediately. Okay, my pitch is it's a new game show for Quibi, and it's called the Guess the Quibi, right? Where, <laughs> where, where people who are on this game show are presented with four different pitches for TV shows, and they have to guess which one is actually real that's on Quibi. And which, I think uh, they... They would go for that. And then what they would also do is they would turn the fake shows into real shows. They would take, take those ideas and be like, that's a good idea. We're going to make that a show. And then the winner gets one month of Quibi for free. So yes. everybody wins. Do, do we know, like, what is the release schedule? I know there's, like, new episodes every day is what I've been hearing. But, like, so those 50 shows, are we going to get new episodes every day of those 50 shows? Uh, well, the, everything is broken down. So the, you have um, movies and chapters. You have unscripted and docs, and then you have a thing called daily essentials, which are curated daily into five to six minute quick bites of news, entertainment, and inspiration. So it sounds like the daily stuff is going to be like news things because they do have news on there, too. And they have like the weather channel is on there and Rotten Tomatoes has their own show. So I think that that's the sort of thing that's going to be more daily. Wait, so if I want a movie and chapter, how long do I have to wait between the chapters? Uh, I don't have that info in front of me, Peter. You'll have to ask Quibi. Go uh, on Twitter.com and at Quibi. I'm sure they'll respond yeah. to you. I'll have to sign up for this 90-day free trial. So yeah, uh, that's the only way to find out. So are you going to sign up for this free trial? You know, I might. I might just email them and be like, look, I write about stuff for a living. Can I just have a free Quibi? And they'll probably say yes. <laughs> i like, sure, we're just giving away Quibis over here. Ben, will you sign up for a 90-day free trial? You know, I, I've, uh, like Chris, been mocking the name of this thing and, and sort of uh, been very hesitant about Quibi. But I have to say, when I saw Chris's headline about the 90-day free trial, I was like, I mean, I guess that's a good way to get people hooked, right? Like, that's that's the way. You, you give them a little taste and then take it away and see how much they really like it. And I think if they have enough good stuff, and it sounds like, from what Chris is saying, 50 shows. I mean, that's like an impressive opening uh uh, opening foray into the streaming wars um maybe there will be enough there for a lot of people to get hooked i think i will probably try a free 90-day trial i mean it's free i could just cancel it after 90 days if i hate it i've been watching a lot of like youtube like more than i've been watching tv and movies r- recently i watch a lot of youtubers and so like that. i wonder if something like quibi is gonna you know gain my attention over like something like youtube because it, you know obviously they're gonna have higher production value and stuff like that brad, brad what do you what are your thoughts are, are you gonna sign up for this free trial uh i'll probably give it a shot just to see what the programming is like like chris i'm not really a big fan of watching stuff like this on my phone uh if anything if it's uh if the app or whatever it is allows it i'll probably just you know, stream my phone to my Apple TV so I can just watch it on my TV. You're, you're not going to watch it in vertical? I mean, no, I prefer not to. It's, you know, uh, sure, the, sure, the iPhone isn't entirely a screen pretty much now, but I just don't want to sit and stare at my phone, you know, to watch stuff like that. I, I want it up on my TV. So I will give it a shot, but I will definitely, I definitely am hoping that it, they will allow me to just, you know, airplay it to my television. Okay, well, I'm I'm curious to see how good Quibi is. Uh, Chris, have they, you're our TV guy. Have they reached out to you like to provide screeners of shows and stuff? I've actually got a lot of emails from Quibi like announcing stuff, but I have not gotten screeners. But I'm sure if like I asked, you know what, I, I'm going to try and ask for uh, <laughs> for some dismantled over here. Send me some dismantled screeners, Quibi. I, I want to see 
chefs get shot in the face. I'd be willing to bet that Dr. Quibi will show up on your doorstep with like a full Quibi package. Ooh, I hope so. <laughs> Maybe like, like, a, like a, Quibi, a Quibi branded phone and like Quibi cupcakes that you can take Quibbies of. Ooh, this all sounds very good. <laughs> can, can I even get Quibi on my TV? Or is it like only available on my phone? I think it's only on the phone. I don't think there's like a TV version because yeah, they that's, that's they the want thing. it. The whole, their whole pitch is you got it. It's it's for your phone, but I'm sure. Uh, yeah, like Brad said, there might be a way to like cast it to your TV. So strange. That's okay. got to be like such a small percentage of people who who do that. Like I feel like all all of us on this podcast would would yeah cast it to our TVs just to watch it in like optimal settings, but like. I think, you know, this stuff is being designed for people to watch, you know, on the train, on their way to work and like, you know, in while they're waiting in line for coffee or whatever the hell. So, like, we're going to be such a, a small percentage of people who are like, you know, laying back on our couch and like, all right, Quibi, what do you got? And like watching it in the biggest format possible, like not how it's intended. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe it's smart. Maybe it's smart that they're not competing with what's on television and what's being released in movies. They're They're competing with people like doing like you know, bejeweled, mindless games on the subway on the way to work. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, they're competing on a different level. Uh, I, I guess in a future episode of The Water Cooler, Chris, you could give us uh, four Quibi reviews and we'd have to guess which one is not real. All right. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> okay. That does it for today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast published on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your questions, comments, feedback, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>